drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown to Trumbier, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. What is going on? It is Wednesday here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I'm your host, Eric Gokri. We're here talking Lions football like we always do. And we got so much to get into today. I mean... It's draft season. We'll talk more about the draft. I also want to turn the clock back to last year's draft and talk about some of the guys the Lions have and see what they may do moving forward. We kind of know what they did last year. I'll hit on that a little bit, but we're going to talk about maybe what they could do, what their potential is, how the Lions could take what they did last year, add to it this year, and really come up with something nice. But before we get into all the Lions talk, I, I mean, this is becoming a regular occurrence here on the show that I got to run down one of my co-hosts, my guests, one of the people I invite here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast to drink it in. I mean, I, I serve them up a glass. Drink it in, uh... And then half the time now, it's either Benny Blades, you know, AB. And then today, we got the king of all bros. Bruh. He, he can't show up. So my buddy Stefan, you know you know who he is. He says bro a lot. Bro. <laughs> this guy, I try to let him know ahead of time that we got the show. Don't don't hear back. Bro. And then I'm like, "Hey bro." Bro. See you in the podcast tonight, right? What do I get? A reply saying, "Bro." Bro. I got a chiropractor appointment, bro. Bruh. <laughs> then he wants to tell me he has some work something. I'm like, you you got to show up. You got to reserve 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour to do the show. Once a blue moon. I think these guys come on once a month. You couldn't have told the chiropractor I can't do it on Tuesday, but any other day. I can do it. No, he has to do it exact day we're recording. You can't figure out how to shift your work things around, bro. Bruh. So you can actually just do the show and talk some football with one of your bros. Bruh, bruh, bruh. I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't know why Stefan, AB, can't manage your schedules. I mean, Joey from the Believe Podcast Network that comes on here and entertains and talk Lions and NFC North and everything. He seems to nail it every week. We got Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated. He's got no problems. He's here every week on time, ready to rock and roll, talk some football, and laugh it up. So I'm having trouble with A.B., Stefan, you know who he is. And, and then Benny Blades. I mean, you guys know Benny Blades, too. I, I was able to chase him down this week. I mean, he he's too busy, you know, visiting the pay window. Going to the pay window. <laughs> but I found Benny Blades. I'm like, Benny Blades, where you been? And we had a great show. Um, you guys are probably hearing this on Wednesday. 
that Thursday BLEAV Believe in Lions show on the Believe Podcasting Network is going to drop. I think you're really going to like that. I stirred up Benny Blades. We talked about uh, the draft, the Lions, Dan Campbell, um, Dan freaking Campbell. Sorry. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want him to get upset at me and I don't know. Maybe bite my kneecaps off. We're going to bite a kneecap off. We're going to smile at you. We're going to take your other kneecap. We're going to smile at you. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. We're going to be the last one standing. All right. That's going to be the mentality. That's going to be the mentality. If everybody, if anybody out there is actually sick of that drop, I mean, Dan Campbell is sick of you. You've had enough of that. <laughs> He's had enough of your, you know what? And I will never have enough of that drop. You've had enough of that. So, I mean, I'm having a little fun off the top of the show. You guys know how I do, but I, I had to get after a few of my co's because I'm asking for a bare minimum of time to two bros where's my sound drop again <laughs> two bros two bros Bruh. talking football here for less than an hour trying to entertain you folks out there that's all that's all i'm asking so we'll, we'll see how it goes i think we'll get everybody back it really was fun to get many blades back but man tracking these people down sometimes is not the easiest thing but let, let's go ahead and get into lions football everybody i know that's why you're listening why you came to the show so let, let, let's do this. I know I've been talking a lot about pick number seven, but like I say, there's basically a couple weeks to the draft. We, we got to continue to hit on that. So I, I feel like the the main names we've whittled it down here as Lions fans too is Jamar Chase, wide receiver LSU, Kyle Pitts, tight end Florida, Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, Devontae Smith, wide receiver Alabama, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver Alabama. Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle, Northwestern. And then I also put Trey Lance, my guy, quarterback, North Dakota State, and Justin Fields in there, um, quarterback from that school down south as well. And and the reason I put the quarterbacks in is because I'm very set that the Lions are, are going to give Jared Goff the opportunity. But I just think they still need to be in the mix. So what I'm seeing a lot online and lots of the experts out there, you know, they they have more like Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell are the three main names with the Lions. You do see Jalen Waddle up there, a couple people, <clears throat> Mel Kuyper. You do continue to kind of see Devontae Smiths and whatnot of the world. But I, I, I'm more set on Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell. Um, if I had to rank those in that order, for me right now, a couple weeks before the draft, it's Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase. No, wait. If Kyle Pitts, I'm just assuming he'll be there. If he's not, it's Nolan Boyd. But assuming all these guys would be available, which they all won't be, it's it's Sewell, Pitts, Chase, um, probably, probably Slater, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. And then, like I say, I'm kind of putting the quarterbacks off to the side because I don't think they're going to do that. So, like, like I say, you got four, you got about eight names there. Lions are picking at seven. So, I'm pretty much assuming one of those names will probably be the pick. Now, I have got really excited about Penny Sewell possibly being there. Um, that's because of my belief that they will take Jamar Chase there at five. But the more you hear and the more you read, it seems like it's coming back to Penny Sewell possibly being that pick there at, at five. I mean, it's not a shocker pick, but I thought it was maybe moving the other direction. And, and the Atlanta Falcons are a big surprise 
you know, wild card in this thing too. Do they pick? Do they take quarterback? Do they take offensive skill player? Do they trade out? Um, all those things are in the mix as well. But I mean, if you got eight to ten players that you like, and you're and you do stay at seven, you're going to get one of those players. I, I feel fine with it. Um, I think you know this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think Kyle Pitts is getting so much buzz and so much talk that everyone is dead set he's going like anywhere from four to six. I mean, he's only got to slip one or two spots to be there for the Lions. Would the Lions take him? I think they would. You know, I really do think if he's there and they're going to go offense anyway, that he's more the unique talent to take. So I wouldn't write that off. That's for sure. Now, let's talk a little bit about trades. You know, to trade or not to trade, that is the question. Here's a debate I see online a lot. You know, you got the trade down crowd who just always wants to trade down regardless. You could be picking at like the night, you know, 29. They're like, oh, you got to trade down a few spots. Like, you know, there's something everybody loves a trade down, but you also sometimes have to just stick and pick. And then there's the people that are just never want to trade down because they feel like they're missing out on talent. I, I, I think, you know. Now, looking at the board, I mean, I feel like the Carolina Panthers are pretty much out of the trade-up market because of the Sam Darnold trade. The Denver Broncos are a trade candidate. You would like to say the Cowboys, but I don't think they'll move up. They'll probably just stay there and take who they want to take. Um, could could the Eagles want to jump back up and get a, a receiver? Maybe, but once you make that trade down, I feel like you're just kind of set there. Uh, the Patriots, I mean, I could see them as a trade-up option. And the reason I could is because one of the storylines of the first round is I feel like Bill Belichick isn't going to be around much longer. I mean, I think he's going to coach maybe another handful of years at most. So I don't see him really like trying to set this franchise up or do what's right. I feel like, hey, let's go ahead and load up on players so I can maybe get another ring or two. And if I can't, He'll ride off into the sunset still as the greatest coach of all time, and the Patriots can figure out you know, their quarterback skill players at that point. <clears throat> but I could see the Patriots coming up to get you know, an electric talent, either on offense or defense, or whatever it may be. You know the Raiders are always a trade-up candidate in my book. The Washington football team, Chicago Bears have been talked about about trading up. Obviously, they're not going to trade with the Lions, but could they jump in front of the Lions? Maybe. So, I mean, those are the main, the main people I see, um, you know, making a move. And I don't know. I, I love a trade down more than anybody. And I was going to pull some examples for you guys of, like, mock drafts when you trade down. And then you look at it at the end. You're like, okay, I got those three players for that one pick. I mean, pretty much always the three players look and feel a lot better than the one guy you would have got at whatever spot you were picking. But... We all know that once these guys get on the field, some of them can wash out, some of them can be bad off the field, injuries, whatever it may be. So it doesn't always shake out that way. But I just like my chances a lot better the more picks I can have. So I'm a proponent of trade down. I mean, I think some people feel like there's a break in like the premier talent. Like, hey, there's only eight great players and there's only 12 great players. Well, the Lions are definitely in the spot of, yeah, they need great players, but they definitely need depth. They need quantity over quality. They need to fill multiple spots, and they need youth. They need to just infuse youth in this team with more selections. That's what happens, as well as it helps your salary cap long term, especially if you hit on these picks. So I would say a trade down would be most optimal, but 
I think people need to brace for just, hey, they they probably got two, three names that they're totally set on that they basically know will be there at seven and they're just going to make that selection. And I'm cool with it. You know, I feel like you can't really go wrong right there. So, like I said, regardless of what the Lions do, you know, they move, they don't move, they take somebody you love, they take somebody you don't love. I mean, you still got to drink that Detroit Kool-Aid, right? Drink it in, man. The Lions, Brad Holmes, Dan freaking Campbell. I mean, they've set us up for a very exciting regime. The way they've they've come in here with their attitudes as well as resetting at the quarterback position, resetting draft stock. I mean, the next two years after this, we've got two first-round picks. The only people that have two first-rounders this year are the Dolphins and the Jags, I believe. So it's like we're going to be one of those teams the next two years. I mean, that's crazy. That's like every year when we're seeing, like, the Dolphins have multiple picks or what the Raiders had a couple first-rounders. Like, that's such gold. You know, you should be able to nail those and really prepare propel yourself forward so I'm really excited about the next year drafts I think that I'm gonna have a like here's another wild card right now as we head into the draft some people will tell you like hey they think they know you know what type of player Brad Holmes likes based on what he did in L with the LA Rams or hey you know this kind of guy Dan Campbell is gonna get I really don't think we're going to have an idea until we see who they select, see what places they target, see what they put an importance on and what they don't. Because until then, they're definitely one of the teams that's very hard to read this year, where they're going to go, what type of guys they're going to get, especially after you get after the first round. Who are they going to target in round two, three, four? Like it's, it's going to be very hard to pinpoint because you haven't seen the scheme on the field. You don't know. What these guys are putting their ultimate stock in is it is it freaky athleticism? Is it youth? Is it position flexibility? Is it straight up talent? Is it need? Is it just quality character, meat and potato type football players? Like, I really don't know, but I'm really excited to see. So, this draft for the Lions. Let's look back at it. Let Let's say they stay at seven. You know, a great scenario for me is Kyle Pitts or Penny Sewell. I just run the card to the podium. If they really think they need a receiver and Jamar Chase is there, I think that's a, an easy pick as well. I started to cool on that a little bit. Like, I don't know what it was. I saw a couple of things, uh, interviews and whatnot with Jamar Chase, and I still think he's a great talent, but there was something that just jumped out at me as not like a franchise, you know, all pro, all everything guy. I mean, I've really been a fan of his in fantasy football. I think he'll be a great player, but is he the kind of guy that you're going to totally build around with the Lions? I don't know. Um, Rashawn Slater, I watched some tape on him today, actually, before I got recording. And, you know, Rashawn Slater with the Northwestern is just I mean, I love the way this guy moved. He's only a little bit over 300 pounds, left tackle there with Northwestern. But the way this guy would come off the ball and get to the second level was special, I thought. The way that he would latch on to somebody and then ride them down the field with his block was very exciting. The way that he would play up to and a little bit after the whistle I thought was great. He seems to have everything you want, and the the most – you know, thing that brought me the most calm about him, and somebody had to remind me about this on Twitter. I put out a tweet at Derek Oakry. You can find me. You can follow me. We'll talk football, fantasy football, all that. I put out there like, hey, Penny Sewell and Slater really intrigue me, but can they play the right side? Because I always feel like it's easier said than done to just flip you over to the right side. 
So I put that out there and a couple people, you know, hey, you know, I think they got the athleticism and they can do it. And one guy reminded me that um, Slater did play in 2018 on the right side. He had over a thousand snaps over there. And that's one thing I was targeting. I think I put a, a message out previously that I'd kind of tried to look at who can play right tackle. And it was pretty limited. You know, it's only a handful of guys, five, six guys that really had those quality snaps on the right side to show that they had done it. They somewhat know the footwork. They could play that, you know, if needed. And it's not totally foreign to them. And I think that's important. So when I saw that, I looked it back up. I was like, oh, yeah, he has been over there. So that that is that is intriguing to me. Penny Sewell, I think, could play there just because of his his size. Usually the right tackle is a little bit of a bigger body guy. He's obviously young enough to sort of um, – figure that out and get used to the technique. So I think both those guys would do it. But like I said, that's another positive for Slater, in my opinion, that he's done it. He's played at Northwestern under a coach that, at least in some ways, is similar to Dan freaking Campbell. He's uh, a quality, you know, athlete type player. He has everything you're looking for. Is seven a little bit high? Would you love to get him at, at 12 or 15? Sure, but... You know, you just don't know if you're going to be able to make that move and, and still get the player. So, you know, in, in my opinion, like I said, Pitts and Sewell, slam dunk. Slater becoming a nice little dark horse, good quality draft pick for the first pick of this regime for me. The the, the big swings that I'm worried about is like the Jalen Waddle. I read something before I started recording, too, that Waddle might be the best playmaker in this draft. I mean, he might be, but does, other than his absolute speed, does he do things that are just, I mean, his size isn't special by any means. He played at a great school where he's pretty much always open. You know, he's had some injury issues. So it's like, unless he has the optimal thing, which is you take him and you just absolutely find out how to get him in space, let him run past people, get him the football just doesn't seem like a number seven overall pick type player to me that you would just build your offense around or make your dead set number one. He doesn't come off as a number one to me. Devontae Smith has that number one or silky smooth route runner qualities, but same thing. Like, is he going to hold up? Is he a guy that is going to be able to take the physicality of the NFL? Or is he just going to be that slick receiver that, yeah, he helps your team, but if you can get him in rounds two, three, or four, you know, that similar type of player, even if he's a notch or two down, that's like where I like to get those nice route runners or those guys that are just always open, not at number seven overall, if I can help it. And like I said, the Lions could shock the world and take a quarterback. I really think they could. I do think they have this investment in golf. Let me let me tell you one more thing before we get to our break here that that jumped out at me. So they 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 brought Jared Goff in, and I don't think he was a throw-in. I think they love him. They have those multiple first rounders for two years. So the way the Lions could be looking at this thing, and I think this would actually be really smart and, and a tactful move by them, is like, hey, this year. You pretty much, unless they're just totally in love with a guy, which I don't think they are, you just pretty much tell yourself and your staff, hey, we're rolling with Jared Goff this year. We're going to load up on other positions. If Jared Goff is horrible in 2021, you can move out of his contract and then go pick a guy with wherever you're picking in 2022 draft. You can bundle those picks if you really need to jump up and try to get a player at quarterback. 
and let's say he's he's not horrible. He's he's middle of the road. He's 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 good, but not great. Like you could play that same game where just load up on talent again, and still in twenty twenty three, you can say, "Hey, Jerry, appreciate it. You know, you you hung in there. You played tough. You 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 gave us some good moments." And then they can go get their quarterback, and that's the Logan Lamarand Deer from Sports Illustrated strategy. It's like by then their team should be built up, the the culture is built. Now you're plugging in a QB two years down the road, and, and you had that stopgap in Jared Goff. So I I don't think the Lions could go wrong, and, and this is why I'm I'm backing off the quarterback is because that gives you three swings at it. Jared Goff year one could be great. All right, we'll roll with him. If he's horrible, it's just terrible. Like, you just can't bring him back another year. The fan base is revolted. You take a guy next year. If he's middle of the road, maybe we say, hey, we're cool with him. He just needs another year. See what we get next year. And you roll and you add talent again. And and then if it's still not, like, championship or playoff win quality, hey, you know, plug in a young cat, give him the keys to the car right away, and roll with that. So, I'm I'm excited with that possibility that you basically take three years and make your decision any year. You know, you can make it this year and shock the world and bring in a guy and say, learn under Jared Goff, and by next year he's rolling. If they don't, they could just pick one in 2022. If they don't, they could pick one in 2023. In any of those years, obviously, you could trade as well. So I think the Lions are set up really well at the quarterback position with wild card, draft picks, intrigue, flexibility, all the things you're looking for when it comes to that position. You know, they got it. If Jared Goff plays great, I mean, he's going to be a very cheap quarterback in a year or two, you know. Um, he's also very young as well. So let, let's say he just comes in and he's, I've been calling him Matt Stafford light. Let's say he's very similar or even better in some areas than Matt Stafford when it comes to winning ball games and playing big in the big games or willing us with the defense and a run game to the playoffs and, and beyond and getting a win. Like I could see that happening. I really could. Just as similar as I could sort of see him coming in here and them not having enough talent and him getting overwhelmed by by defenses and turning the football over. I could see that as well. But I, I can't wait to see Jared Goff run out there and play quarterback. I don't know what I'm going to get, and I'm really excited about that as well. So, you know, the shocking move would be the Lions taking a quarterback. The safe move is a lot of people just want to take a receiver and not – think about it I'm much more so in the consider a tackle make your offensive line a strength that's going to help your pass game and your run game if you, if you got Slater you know Vitae as well as some of those other guards you have Frank Ragnow Jonah Jackson and Taylor Decker we're going to be like a top eight top ten you know possibly top six type O-line in the NFL it's going to help DeAndre Swift. It's going to help Jared Goff. You're going to be able to throw it around to these guys you brought in, these speed guys. I mean, that helps me in a lot of other areas, in my opinion. Plus, a tackle is much more of a long-term play than a flashy wide receiver or a skill guy at times. So that's the that's the route I'd go, to be honest. You know, even, even Kyle Pitts is a little bit of a, a very risky move in some ways or a, or a swing for the fences type of move. Whereas you take that tackle, whether it be Sewell or Slater, I think that sets them up not only for the future, but for this draft. Because when I look at it, you got linebackers, you got receivers, you've got 
interior defensive players. You got safeties. You got other skill players, you know, that you can get later. So I think, you know, setting yourself up with that really solid pick first and letting the board fall to you might be the the best strategy. So everybody, let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and and take a break, get our sponsors in here. And we come back. I'm going to talk to you about last year's draft and some guys I got my eye on. that I think my ball out might might come back and tear it up for the Lions. And I'm going to serve up some of that Detroit Kool-Aid. So everybody, we'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Derek Oakry of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. And this is normally where I tell you about some of our great sponsors. But today... I want to tell you about my other Lions podcast. It's called Believe in Lions. And that's spelled B-L-E-A-V on the Believe Podcasting Network with both myself and Lions legendary safety Benny Blades. Yeah, you know who he is. The hard-hitting safety Benny Blades played for the Lions. He also played for the U. You know what it is. The University of Miami, those Miami Hurricanes. He mentions it multiple times the show. Benny loves to talk about his hurricanes, his lions, and I love to play this soundbite on the show. We have a ton of fun on that show. We laugh, we joke, we talk lions. Like I said, he brings up the hurricanes. I talk about my Michigan Wolverines. Um, it's, it's a really fun show. Benny loves the lions. He tells great stories from his playing days, as well as uh, we're just rooting on this team. We B-L-E-A-V in the Lions. So please go ahead, find it on your favorite podcast platform. Hit that subscribe button and check it out. Share it with a friend. We really appreciate it. So check out Believe, B-L-E-A-V in Lions with myself and Benny Blades. Thank you guys so much. What's going on, everybody? Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, we are back. This is your host, Derek Oakery. You can find me on Twitter once again. Get a cheap plug, at Derek Oakery. That's spelled D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Um, next week, we got Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated coming on. I'm thinking we're going to do like a live mock draft, maybe the whole first round, as well as lots of Lions talk. Who would he take? Why? Um, maybe give some of our, our sleeper picks, you know, all that type of stuff we might do on next week's show. And then the week after, that'll basically be a couple days before the draft. You'll be hearing from me and Joey from the Believe Podcast Network talking about the you know the NFC North teams as well as just who would we take and why I mean it's gonna be right down to the wire they're really gonna have to pin him down on who his team is taking who the Lions are taking what's going on with this draft we'll have it all figured out by then I'm sure but uh lots to look forward to please hit that subscribe button share this with a friend um, really helps out the show when you do that, as well as I really appreciate when everybody is interacting on Twitter, sharing the podcast, liking the podcast, really helps out the show. And I just like jumping on here and talking football, whether it be um, basic talk like this, when I get some of my guests on, I like to I like to mix it up, rile it up, try to make you guys laugh. 
And I like to play the sound bits, but it's a little bit harder on the solo shows where I can't be totally looking at what I'm doing as well as playing sound bits and talking to you. But I tried to give you a few off the top of the show. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that. But let's let's get into some more Lions talk. Let's talk about the 20, <clears throat> excuse me, the 2020 draft. Um, there's there's some players I want to hit on, and and I look back at it, and I really don't think it's that bad of a draft by any means from. From Bob Quinn, I know Bob Quinn struggled bringing in free agents. He had his big misses, whether it be Tease Tabor or some of these other players he took that even if they were decent, they were never that high-end quality, never made a big trade. He never really did anything that you know was real aggressive to get us over the top. I already feel like Brad Holmes has done more in his very short tenure than Bob Quinn has done throughout his time here. But looking at this last draft, I mean, Jeff Okuda had a horrible year from an injury perspective. When he was out there, he didn't play well. His PFF grades were horrible. Everyone hated the way he looked and played on the field. I'm really not one of those people. I mean, me and Benny Blades on our show talked about Mr. Okuda. Like, we didn't think he had much confidence and the coaches weren't letting him roll and he wasn't playing aggressive enough or whatever the case may be. But you saw flashes where he jumped under the ball and got the pick and made a few tackles where he'd come up and, and, and get a tackle for loss, whatever it may be. I still think Jeff Okuda is one of the cleanest prospects I've seen in a long time when it comes to you know, off the field character, intelligence, you know, ability to play on the field. You know, there's a few worries about his overall speed, if he can just keep up and and play the way he did it. Oh, I almost said the school, that team down south. You know what I mean? Like he used to just, you know, bait people on trying to beat him deep and nobody could. Whereas in the NFL, it felt like he struggled with some speed and elusiveness by some of these guys. But I really think it was a lot of the scheme. So, again, I I still really love the player of Jeff Okuda. I didn't love him at pick number three, but I thought he was a quality football player then. I still think so. You know, half a season or whatever he was actually out there isn't going to change my opinion. I think he's going to step up based on his will to be great. I think he's going to step up because this coaching staff is going to use him better. They're going to infuse confidence in this kid. He already changed from number 30 to number 23. I mean, if that can't help your confidence, I don't know what can. Just ask Mr. Darius Slay, who had to deal with that same garbage, getting a horrible number for a corner, like 30. Like, I used to love to play corner back in the day, and I wasn't going out there unless I had my favorite number, which is 21, baby. you got to have a number in the 20s or something swaggy to play on the outside. And now that 23 looks crispy in that Honolulu blue. I feel like Okuda is going to have that swagger, and man... He could really shock some people this year and just be an absolute great player. I mean, a lot of people were out on Slay, and then he turned it on, and everybody was like, oh, this guy's you know, one of the best players we've had. He's shut down. He's this, he's that. Like, you know, I could see Okuda being that exact same thing. So, you know, second round, we took DeAndre Swift. Everybody knows about DeAndre Swift. They liked what we saw last year. He made plays basically all the time he was out there. Ten total touchdowns as a rookie is absolutely great he was not used in the passing game for whatever reason that's one of the great things he does this coaching staff seems to be set on throwing him the football which I'm excited about he's a fantasy football darling DeAndre Swift everybody trying to get him thinks he's going to be a much more utilized as well as he's what 22 years old I want to say because he came out early so he's still very young 
and just a quality football player. So I think Swift's just going to build on what he did. The running back position is a little wonky because of injuries and just you can have a guy have a tremendous year, and then next year he might have some fumbles. He might not find the end zone as much, whatever it may be. But I'm just hoping for Swift to keep doing what he's doing and just put together a nice quality year as well as get more opportunities both in the run and the pass game from this coaching staff. Third round, I mean, Jonah Jackson seems to be a very high-quality pick. I mean, there's one thing with interior offensive linemen. It's like if you don't notice them, that's a good thing. So I felt like I didn't notice Jonah Jackson a ton last year. He was just kind of in there doing his thing and seemed to be a very quality piece, and our line seemed to be better last year than most years that we've we've been used to recently. So I think Jonah Jackson will only get better. And like I say, if you just never recognize the guy, he's in there blocking, he's not on roller skates, he's not getting plowed over, he's not getting beat with a quick move by an interior player, that's what we want from him. So I think he's a plug-and-play left guard for this team and seems to be a good pick. The other pick they had in the third round was Julian Okwara. Julian Aquara either gets a big old F or a big old incomplete for his rookie year. I mean, barely was out there when he was out there. I didn't see anything from him. I don't even remember one flash play where I was just like, wow, look at Julian Aquara. Like, nothing. But I think that was mostly based on injuries. And I feel like this kid, he's he's long, he's athletic, he seems motivated that his brother signed back with the Lions good college player when he was healthy I feel like Julian Aquara can do nothing but be better because I just like I didn't notice Jonah Jackson last year for the right reasons I didn't notice Julian Aquara last year for all the wrong wrong reasons you know because he wasn't out there he when he was he wasn't doing anything to help the team so um, you know, got to get that fixed, got to play better. You can't have a mid-third rounder that's just a nothing player or a washout. or a, I mean, what's his position, too? They had him playing like DN. What was he, 99? Uh, is he still 99? Yeah, I think so. Or he started off with like a funky number, and then he moved him to 99 late. I, didn't, I guess he's playing with his hand down, and then he didn't play anywhere last year, it seemed. But I always thought he was more of an outside linebacker, you know, outside linebacker that could rush, you know, standing up as well as do a little bit of coverage, do a little bit of moving around on the D line. So I'm curious to see what they do. There's some places too. You just see them listed as a D end. Um, again, always seem to be more of a linebacker type player to me. So hopefully this coaching staff can figure out what to do with him and can get him back to what he was supposed to be or what he's supposed to be. I've got some high hopes, but again, it, it, it might be because of the Kool-Aid I'm drinking, you know? I always drink that Honolulu Blue flavor, you know? Drink it in, uh... Side of cornbread. Cornbread! 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 Exactly. Maybe three sides. But, uh, you know, I, I think he can get better. I think the Quara boys, if they really turned it on, that'd be fun to watch, man. Two brothers out there getting after the quarterback, making plays, celebrating afterwards. That'd be great. So I hope that happens. You know, round four, this is where it gets a little dicey. You know, Logan Stenberg. I mean, this is a guy off my radar, really. And then they took him. And then what do I do? It might be the Kool-Aid again in me. Drink it in, man. 
I'm like, oh man, Logan Stenberg, this guy's nasty. This guy's physical. This guy's a beast. Um, you know, maybe he'll he'll be in there. Maybe that I remember having shows where I wanted him to start. I wanted him and Jonah Jackson on the interior. I wanted Taylor Decker and Ragnow and then Vitae on the outside. And then Logan Stenberg never saw the football field whatsoever. Um like all last year. I don't even think he was active for a game. You know, it's just that just blows my mind with how bad the lines were. This guy couldn't suit up. This guy couldn't get snaps. I mean, that's either the ridiculous stupidity of our coaching staff or this guy was just that bad. But I'm going to go with, with you know, choice A on that, that our coaching staff just had no clue what they were doing. They thought it was fun to just beat up these rookies, make them earn it, whatever their stupid mantra was, and just never let this kid get out and play because – I think Logan Stenberg's completely forgotten about, and he was a mid-fourth rounder. I need to get him on the field and see what he can do. So that's another reason I'm not taking an interior player like I see some people saying we need to do on my draft mocks. It's like, no. Between Vitae, Stenberg, Nelson, whoever else they got in the middle there, you guys figure it out. Somebody has to play right guard. I can't have five top draft picks on my offensive line, but can I have four? Maybe. I got three pretty much already. So they one of those guys has to play. And if they can do that and figure that out between Vitae and Stenberg, for the most part, even Crosby, throw him in that mix, that's why I want to upgrade right tackle. Because I, I can play Crosby or Vitae or Stenberg at right guard and get by. I, I know I can. But Stenberg's got to show something because he's just been ridiculous. This little list I just scribbled out, I didn't even put Quintez Sivas on this list. I mean, Quintez, he did get in later. He did make a few deep plays, had a few flashes, but what is he? You know, is he a poor man's Anquan Bolden or is he, you know, a fifth receiver like that, that often won't see the field and will be on special teams for the most part? I mean, you liked what he did in college, but his first pro year was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't much, you know, it was just kind of like whatever. Um, Quintez, I would hope, could, could be a 3-4 type guy on a, on a young, growing Lions receiving core. But he'd have to step up. You know, there were all those rumors in windows about, man, you no know, one can guard him in training camp. And he's making plays every day, everywhere. Well, he was also going against the Lions corners last year, who everybody knows uh, just were horrible. They, they they couldn't cover. It's the worst coverage I've seen on any NFL team in my time of watching football. That's how bad it was. So it doesn't surprise me that Q was tearing them up. But he's going to have to step up if he's going to be a productive player in the NFL. I could see him taking a little step forward depending on if they don't invest highly. But if they invest highly in a wide receiver, it's going to be that player, Tyrell, and Perriman, and Hawkinson, and Quintez. I'm telling you, isn't going to see much, much run. But my hopes, my 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 Kool Aid hopes, is that Cephas takes a big leap forward, and he's a he's a number three, number four type receiver that you can rely on in different packages, as well as if an injury comes up, he could slide right into a three spot and be that type of receiver. Now, the bumbling pick by good old Bobby Quinn was uh, Huntley there in the fifth round. Again, a guy that was off pretty much everyone's radar. 
everybody tried to justify, oh, look at his speed, look at what he did in Kyle, look at his catching. Of course, I was in that mix, hoping that this could be like the new Theo. I mean, this guy gets cut basically before training camp's even halfway over. He goes to Philadelphia and do anything there. He's just... This guy's a nothing player. He's too small. He's just not good enough to get out on the field at the pro level. So that was a complete waste. There were plenty of players in that fifth round you could have taken that I would have loved and that would help this football team other than, you know, Huntley, who Bob Quinn took for whatever reason and didn't even have a plan for him or couldn't even hang in there to see, like, would it really killed us to hang on to Huntley last year and, and find some way to use him and see if he had anything? Oh, no, you had to get rid of him to keep some bumsky depth defensive player that was just an absolute trash can out there. So that was a miss. Um, sixth round, you know, that's when they went and got Penasini, I believe. Nice player, had a good year, always seemed to be around the football, plugging up the middle, making plays. But I don't know that Penasini does much for you in 2021. Feel like that's a guy that you know might be lost in the shuffle due to the new coaching staff the new scheme which I hope is more penetrating now does he still have a place on the roster yeah I think so does he still have you know snaps where he can help in the run game and can do some things yeah but I and he's a sixth rounder so I don't expect a ton but I don't think he's going to be this integral piece like some people have been making him out to be like oh Penasini is this he's that I mean, he was good because he was set up for the uh, Matt-Pat scheme, and he played pretty decent in that um, comparison to what the expectations were. But now, I mean, I want Brockers in there. I want, you know, Deshaun Hand in there. I don't want Penasini taking a ton of snaps when I can have some other football players that give me more juice. So, you know, hope he still does well. Hope he can do some things, but I don't have a ton of high hopes for him in this new setup. And then this last guy is a guy I totally forgot about. The reason I forgot about him is because he's from that team down south. And he never played. I think his first training camp snap, basically. Snap goes his Achilles, you know? I mean, done for the year. I mean, it's just one of those things always seems to happen to the Lions where they lose a guy. And that's Jay Sean Cornell from, well... I'll just let the sound bite tell it. Hey, listen. Ohio State sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there it is. One of the classics. Thank you, Lendale White. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they suck. But hopefully Jay Sean Cornell does not because, I mean, this guy, when you looked him up, he was highly rated by Pro Football Focus. He was a guy that... You know, play interior, play it on the edge, move around, do some things, get after the quarterback. And like I said, basically his first rep, he's done. Achilles is not a good injury for a player like that. But if he can come back and make the roster and and be another player. This is one thing that really jumped out at me. I don't have them all in front of me, but I'll try to do this off the top of my head. This is kind of the players that are on the Lions defensive line. I'm not telling you all these guys are great. I'm not telling you they're all going to make the team. I'm not telling you that they're going to be some dominant unit. But listen to some of these names. Trey Flowers, Romeo Quara, Sean Hand, Penasini, Brockers, Austin Bryan, Julian O'Quara. Um, who else am I forgetting inside there? Um, Nick Williams. You know, it's like... They've got bodies in there. So everybody that wants to take either early interior tackle or they want to take an edge rush player by trading down or in the second round, 
I think you got bodies there that you should be able to roll. I mean, everybody knows I like Deshaun Hand more than most. I know he hasn't been good recently. Austin Bryant's a guy that I think showed a few flashes last year, can play. Trey Flowers needs to play better because he makes $90 million on that contract, but he's still a solid football player. You know Romeo's going to be motivated. I already talked about Julian. Brockers is a beast both in the locker room and on the football field. Great signing by Brad Holmes. So it's like you got bodies there that you can not only roll, but you can roll a second line out there before we even get to, you know, like I said, the Jay Sean Cornell, who I didn't mention, some of these other depth players that the Detroit Lions have at different spots. So I feel like, hey, let those guys roll, put them in positions to succeed, and go address other spots. I would rather have corners and safeties and linebackers more than I would add to the D-line based on all those names I just read off. Now, can all those guys make a leap forward? Can they all get to the quarterback? Obviously, they could in the past couple years because we couldn't touch a quarterback. But can they do it with this new setup and maybe a year or two under their belt now? I do think they can. That's a lot of young quality college players that I think might be able to do it. So I am excited about that. And looking at that draft class, I mean, Okuda, Aquara, Swift, Jonah Jackson, see what Cornell gives us. Penasini, still a roster type player. And then, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of like the Cephas or the Stenbergs of the world, but if you get if you get four or five players in a draft to help you and that can be not only rostered but can make plays, that's a pretty good draft. So um, I think I'm giving it the bright side because a lot of you are saying, well, Okuda hasn't played well. Julio Aquara did nothing. And Penasini's just a nose tackle. And Stenberg never saw the field. And, you know, I could see how you could spin it to be a horrible draft. I really do. But I can see that being based on what they have done up to this point, which was a truncated season injuries for a lot of those guys, horrible coaches, horrible scheme set up. Give them another year and see what they do. I think it's going to be an above average type draft class when we look back at it, when you have Swift, Okuda, Aquara, um, you know, Jonah Jackson as the core of that mix. So everybody, that's what I got for this week. Um, we talked about the current draft, which is only two weeks away. I can't believe it. I can't wait. The DTO scouting office is off the chain. I mean, it gets better and better every year. I'm ready to roll. I've got position rankings i've got teams up i've got um you know positional boards overall by round i'm ready to go i can't wait to get to do all this and enjoy the draft when it when it hits on that thursday friday saturday be giving you guys all that content as well we'll break it all down once it's over but until then be talking draft be talking lions and have some great guests that i i have faith the next two guests are actually going to show up for the show and not leave me hanging like these other people do oh my car my my work my my wi-fi doesn't work come on man come on man you got to show up to the detroit kool-aid cast to bring that heat so hopefully i gave you some good football talk entertained you today hit that subscribe button share it with a friend and most importantly when you listen to this show you got to do one thing you know what it is Drink it in, man. Take care, everybody. I'm out. I'll catch you Friday and check out that show. I might have a surprise for you. We might be doing big things on the Friday show. We'll see when we get there. I'm looking forward to it. Catch you guys then. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Pack the 
drink it in, man.